Hello and welcome to this episode of Battling with Business with me, Gareth Tennant, and Chris Kitchener. In this podcast, we explore ideas and concepts around teams and teamwork, leaders and leadership, and all things in between. It's a discussion between a former Royal Marines officer and a product manager from the world of business, comparing and contrasting our experiences as we attempt to work out what makes teams, leaders, and businesses tick. This week's episode is the second in our two-part series in collaboration with fellow podcaster Rich Seal and his podcast, Creatively Challenged. This episode was recorded at the Future Strategy Club in Peckham, London, and the conversation has moved on from discussing the role of design in strategy, leadership and management, and towards AI and human-machine cooperation. We hope you enjoy it. So, AI, the robots, they're coming. They're coming to take your jobs. They're coming to... Well, families. they've already taken your job, haven't they? Because we've got... They've already taken my job, yeah. You, you've shown me already today some pretty <laughs> amazing SUVs that were designed with, what, two words? Yeah, so the brief, the first brief I gave, and at the time it was a free app, um, AI, this is sort of uh, when DALI came out, but it wasn't yeah. available for people to use. The first brief I gave AI was two words, and it was um, electric SUV, and SUV is not even a word didn't explain anything and it came up with some quite incredible bits of artwork however I started briefing it in a much more detailed way saying that you know can you a futuristic um, putting words in like actually putting a date in so saying 20 2030 a concept car for 2030 that kind of thing and it's not so good at that yeah so what it's very good at yeah, the it's image probably generation. worth just explaining to the listeners what Dali is uh, yeah. software. Sure, yeah. So Dali, which and, and now Mid Journey is, is the kind of the, the latest, greatest, I guess, um, is a human language to image generation software algorithm. So effectively, you brief it with a paragraph that you've written, or you get Chat GPT to write. So weirdly. <laughs> but you, you've written, so you brief these things and you, and, and you say, I, and then it comes up with an image. So you can say, that some of the early examples were, were quite funny because often comedy is used to demonstrate tech, which I find weird. Yeah. Uh, so the early examples were, you know, uh, an armchair in the shape of an avocado and Dali would come up with all these different armchairs. And people, most, it, it kind of came out and it came out under the radar a bit because most people saw this post from... Um, either OpenAI or one of the AI companies, the Dali companies, Yeah. Um, they saw this come out online, they're like, oh, I get it, yeah, it's sort of, it's kind of an image search thing, like you have on Google. What they people didn't really realise at the time is that each one of these images is actually effectively an original piece of artwork, meaning it's a design that's never been done before, that's been created in, in, a, in a way with an algorithm that is yeah. completely new. And it's not new. It's not a composite of existing it's not a composite either, of, it's no not it's, it's together, built from stitching it's building from scratch yeah imagery from what the algorithm has learned from, from textual interpretation yeah which is incredible which is it's batshit if you think about that well it is but let's let's because i think there's a danger we sort of stare at the shiny object and get very excited about it yeah. and then and, and you know we joked about it saying was this the end of creativity i i, I want to poke at this and say Let's, let's, I think the image stuff is a little bit different because for many designers, the final form of output is an image. Yeah. But if we, we take chat, chat GPT, so chat GPT along a similar thing where you can ask it questions and it will go and do things. And, um, you know, we, pulling the curtain back, 
sometimes myself and Gareth say we're going to talk about something for a podcast. And for interest, I went to Jack GPT and said, can you make me an outline for a podcast that talks about X? Yeah. Now, but let's, let's talk about that because I, I, I want to dig below the covers. You know, what do you think is the, I'm going to say the value of AI generated stuff? Maybe the better way of saying is, what is it that's great about it? Mm -hmm. And what is it that's not as good about it as we might think? Yeah, I mean, th this is the, the interesting thing ab about both ChatGPT and MidJourney uh, and the image generation algorithms that are out there is they're very, very good at summing up what's happened up till this point in time. So effectively, they've learned from historical data. So they've learned from what we have done as humans up till now. So what they're not very good at is predicting future scenarios which humans are still much better at than the algorithms are yeah so that's kind of where it sits for me so and we spoke a little bit briefly about this off air before this but a lot of my colleagues and friends in the industry of what I do their trade is literally to draw you know new vehicles or new motorbikes new car exteriors interiors their trade is, is the art of doing that and they're obviously very threatened by an algorithm that can effectively take a brief and draw an original piece of artwork from it. And, they, and a lot of people in my world kind of say, well, you're, it's cheating, it's cheating. And, and I think of it in a different way, really, because my traditional automotive design kind of workflow process would start with trawling the internet, looking at some other amazing benchmark vehicles which I, I respect the design work on you know I like what Polestar are doing for instance I like what my friends at Jaguar Land Rover are doing you'd build a mood board you'd have these images there and that would be your kind of food your inspiration that is almost plagiarism because you're looking at these elements from other people's work and taking them and putting them together into something else so it's, it's kind of flattery it's inspiration it's plagiarism so that, but, but that's what everyone does. That's how you do it. You don't, you don't sit there in a dark room and not look at any other vehicles and just start the process. You can, but you're still in your brain referencing other stuff. You've still got previous experience. Exactly. Yeah. So, and what the, what the algorithms are doing is actually a better job of that research that. bit. So yeah. what they're doing is taking everything the world's ever seen about SUVs and putting them into an image for you. So summing up the way, kind of where we are with SUVs. Yeah. Almost in a quite natural way in a kind of generative, a bit like nature, like every single one is different, a bit like a plant, every single one is different, even though they, look, they all look like SUVs, but each one is different, it never repeats what it does. So for me, that's quite natural and mm -hmm. quite ethical in a way, because it's sort of taking away the direct plagiarism or the direct influence stuff. Well, I, <clears throat> I think it's, the reason why I brought this up, because what I think is interesting is, I don't think that the results that you're given today at least are actually going to be the car that you go build. No, they're not. That's and, true. And they're this just is, a start I think, point. I think there's an assumption here. So, for example, yeah. we hear a lot, well, you know, if you're in marketing, get ChatGPT to go write just your marketing To do it copy. for you is, well, is the phrase well, that we're hearing, Well, the answer it? is yeah. it's going to give you the lowest common denominator or the medium common denominator of all the marketing that's been written before. Yes. But if, if, if you can't write marketing copy this is a good start but if you are a creative using back to that term chat gpt is not going to be useful for you and going back to my example i'm going to push back on that because i think it might be useful sorry i should create 
the start point. And that, sorry, you yeah. The, 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 and it's, it's, that's a better use of right. the term. Yeah. It's also not going to do it for you. No. It's going to... Yeah. That's but, right. it might, so, but it might make your time more efficient. Yeah. Because it, it's you don't another have to tool. I, that I 100% agree. Yeah. I, that was poor use of language. Because going back to the example where I said about, I asked ChatGPT to go write me a, um, you know, an outline for a podcast, it was very clear to me. The first thing was, if I didn't understand what was in that outline... If I didn't understand the content, that was useless to me. So yep. the first yep. thing is, I have to already understand the content anyway. The second thing was, it was exactly that. Well, that's really interesting. Here's a couple of things, oh, I'd forgotten I should talk mm -hmm. about. But actually, if that was the podcast, it wouldn't be very interesting. And so then I mm -hmm. went in and said, okay, let me now change this around a bit. Let me add that in, let me add that in. And now I'm going to actually add my secret creativity to make this something more interesting. So yeah. I, 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 and I have to be very careful to keep saying right now, I'm sure there's a whole different debate about whether this will change. I, I think in, for this kind of creativity, at least, um, AI shouldn't be considered threatening in terms of it will replace us. I think it is, it will enable us to spend less time doing the things that perhaps aren't the truest creativity. Yeah. So you look at the traditional, or the traditional thought of what creativity is. I, I, think, that's the, I think it's changing. That's another good. I think it's shifting well. creativity. So, so just to finish that sort of thought on drawing a car, looking for other images to for inspiration in itself, that is not creativity per se. The creativity bit is now that I've collected those. Yeah. It's what it's, do I do with it? What do I do with it? That's that's the bit. So that this is the thing because in. Creatives are, are really bad, or I, I find myself anyway, I can't talk, obviously talk for anybody, but as a designer, it's very difficult when you've got, you can do anything. So if someone says to you, design the ultimate car, in fact, that's really difficult because there's no yeah. goalposts. Just like you and saying, well, we've got this podcast to come up with the thread for, but there's no goalposts. If you ask ChatGPT, or I asked from a journey to do some images for me, what effectively what it's doing is giving me some parameters, which I like as a designer, because it's like, okay, Here's some bookends as to where I want to be. This is somewhere between this and this. And that starts the process so much quicker. So yeah. it's just another tool. As VR was five or six years ago, lots of, I did lots of work in VR and how to sort of fold that into a traditional automotive design yeah. process and how that will bring efficiencies and what does it add. I think, that, I think AI is going to do a similar thing for, my, for my world anyway. The question about the ultimate car. Is, is really interesting. 1974 Corvette. It's a 1974 Corvette. We know <laughs> if you've just bought one. Of what colour is it? Burgundy. Of course that, it would, is. that would be the colour. Side course. pipes, it's got everything. It hasn't got side pipes. Oh, it hasn't pipes. got side pipes? Yes. Okay. Just, just because you might be thinking what's going on, one of the three of us may just have acquired <laughs> a burgundy red Corvette. What year might it be, Gareth? 1974. So there you go. Yeah. But it's the small block, it's only a 5.7 litre. Yeah, Five. small, tiny. Silly. So we totally interrupted your train of thought there. You've been. <laughs> the ultimate car, yeah. apart from the 1974 Corvette, <laughs> like I say, it's an open-ended question. So there isn't an answer to that. It's not like asking it to no, solve a mathematical equation. Mm -hmm. It's not like saying what happened in this historical event. So it's very similar to problems I'll be in the future. These yeah. are open-ended problems where we've already discussed the need for creativity, the fact that there isn't a solution. You have to be comfortable with ambiguity. And so it doesn't matter how powerful your AI is or how powerful it becomes. 
there is no way of solving the problem mm-hmm. designing ultimate car because because there's no answer there's no answer it's yeah. a chaotic problem well, well let's let's push on that because i think there's another interesting without saying it we've been saying who is better a designer or darling there's sort of an underlying yeah. thing there and don't worry i'm i'm well, that, actually, that, I'm, that I'm, question does literally come up in the pub to mm, me because I talk about this stuff to my friends, and they go, "Well, who's well, you are you better? Well. Is it better than you?" And it's like, "Well, well, let's let's difficult. let's pick on this because I I think there's a, rather than try and I think I have the answer. I want to ask almost another question on top. Let's turn this into the military idea. So, yeah. I I don't know, but I'm pretty sure there are lots of very excited military people saying, if we get enough information and feed it into the AI, the AI will tell us how to defeat the enemy. It will say, move your tanks to here, yep. attack them at this time, and it will all work out. So Alarming thought. Uh, alarming, but I... I, I if, but something if, to explore. If yeah. this isn't yeah. happening, I would be staggered. Because Absolutely. Yeah. But, but now you get to the interesting bit, which is almost the sort of the who is better. I wonder whether or not the point about AI is that it will always be constrained by the fact that it is an algorithm that typically is looking at what it did last. And mm-hmm. even if you then say, ah, but Chris, we can, it can teach itself and things like this. If I was up against an AI, what I would do is I would get my own AI, tell me what the AI is yeah. thinking, yep. and then do something radically so different. In this, other words, this is definitely the point. Yeah. Every time the AI makes an advance, one of the things that I've got going for me is the squishy thing between my brain that says, oh, well, yeah. if you move king... Which to, is the chaotic to, bit. It's yes. the chaos. Yeah. We, we are, in fact, what a, you know, there's a teaching this. We are more chaotic than AI. Yeah. So therefore, does that give us the advantage over the AI? And that I can't predict that this is endless, but the fact that the statement, are you, better than, are you a better designer than an AI... I would argue if you are a good designer, by definition, you will be better than an AI because you will always have that spark of chaos yeah. more than the AI. Likewise, it's in a military a, situation. I, I, I agree, and it's, it's, this is deep and fascinating stuff because am I better than AI, AI at designing? Perhaps at this point, will it become better than me on my own as a designer? I, I'm pretty sure it will reasonably quickly, if not already. But me plus AI yes. is way better than me. Me, yes. me using AI as a tool, as, yeah. a, as, an, as a virtual assistant, you know. And and this, it, this comes back to that point, it's like everyone says, AI's gonna come and take your job. No, no, someone using AI, if you're yes. not using AI, is gonna come and take yes, your job. Yes, I think that's the and, point. And someone using AI is never going to be taken over because it's the bit that goes on top. So, I mean, we haven't, we haven't talked about this and I haven't really explored this, but you know, chat GPT as a leader, as a manager, yeah. where's the value? Well, you know what? Hey, chat GPT, can you give me the structure of a, a disciplinary conversation I might have with my team member who's not performing? Or can you help me coach someone and talk about how they can grow? Again, chat GPT is not going to give me the answer, but chat GPT is going to say, 
well, I know lots of other people have done similar things. I can give you the yeah. first framework that you can build on. And then it comes down to the, okay, if I'm a terrible leader, I'm going to read out what ChatGPT says and have minimal value. And if I'm a good leader, I'm going to say, thank you very much. That would have taken me half an hour just to sort of... And you've given me the structure. You've given me the structure. Yeah. You've given yeah, me yeah, the yeah. beginning. Now I'm going to put my logic on top of this. And I'm going to say, you know what? It turns out that Bob doesn't need disciplinary. I think yeah. Bob's got a problem at home and he needs some support. I need some support, which exactly, is, yeah. that's the thing that the AI exactly. doesn't know. Bob's, Bob's performance was low, so we should give him a disciplinary. Yeah. No, 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 Bob's performance was low. Have you asked him what happened at the weekend? Yeah. So there's a, a concept that came out of the Soviet Union in the late 60s, early 70s. I can't remember what the Russians called it. But it's, not, it's not communism, is it? <laughs> that, that was already quite well. That was already that, okay, just checking. <laughs> it's a military concept. But the Americans took this concept, um, slightly adapted it, and they called it the revolution in military affairs. And it was this idea in the sort of late 60s, early 70s, missile technology, radar technologies, digitising, computers, you know, Moore's Law was a thing then as well, mm -hmm. so this exponential growth in computing power. And there was this idea that if you had more data and faster computing, you could win wars. And we took the Western concept of fighting that we took from you know, the, the Second World War, steel, not flesh, we will put the technology at the front, we will have a much longer logistics chain, we will have less people in harm's way, and we will be more methodical in the way that we fight campaign wars. The culmination of that was probably the 91 Gulf War, where we overwhelmingly defeated the, the Iraq, Saddam and Iraqi forces using a massive overwhelming technological advantage. The revolution in military affairs was this idea that you, know, you could almost reduce the risk to, a, to an almost zero in war by having a technological Tech. overmatch and a data overmatch. What we subsequently then learnt was war is chaotic, mm -hmm. it is an ambiguous space and you know, it's Sun Tzu's, you know, about it's not, the, the it's not just weaker. that's great at the battle, I imagine, what you're talking about, but it's not necessarily brilliant at the war. Absolutely, absolutely. And there, there's, a, there's a Chinese book called Unrestricted Warfare, and it's the, it was based on a thesis of how does China compete with the US based on the 1991 Gulf War. Mm -hmm. And the Chinese said, Sun Tzu, you know, pitch our, our strength against their weakness, use their strength as a weakness, judo, how do we use America's okay, yeah. strength against them? Well, they're focused on technology, they spend a huge amount of money. How do we keep America spending huge amounts of money on their military, and how do we economically envelop them? And they, this book is fascinating because it talks about information warfare, it talks about psychological warfare, it talks about use of proxies, it, use, it talks about manipulation of financial markets as a type of warfare. Any, any AI stuff in there? They, they about? do talk about the use of computing and support okay. of decision making, but it's slightly... Because if you fold in AI as a tool... For absolutely. To, to but this is, this is that philosophy theory. and concept. But, but the point is, we learnt the hard way through the Balkans, and then through the last two and a half decades in the Middle East, that you can't win wars just with a technological advantage, just mm -hmm. with a hard power overmatch. These are chaotic things. And so 
yes, I suspect there is a lot of work at the moment about how can AI make us better at decision making? How can it make us better at understanding what the adversary is doing? How can it make us better at prediction? But ultimately, as we do it, so are they. So there's also yeah, this it's, yeah, it's, question. It's, you can't not do it. It's yeah. been invented. You can't, how un- do we, can't uninvent it. So. How do we use AI to help us in a world where our adversaries are using AI, yes, yes, et cetera, et cetera? The chaos doesn't disappear. And so we're back to, you know, you are a better designer if yeah. it's you and yeah. the power of the internet, the power of the large well, language model. The, the winners in, I mean, the, the example you just gave, the winners are not the people necessarily with the AI. The winners are the people who are the most flexible, the most adaptable, who yeah. take advantage of the situation. And sometimes that's with the most... This week, it's because I have AI. Next yeah. week is because I have the best tank, and the week after is because oh, yeah. I've done something entirely... I've inverted something. Or, or this week, I'm making be... something out of wood because yeah. I need to test something in my, in, in my world. Absolutely. It doesn't always have to be some massive and, technology. And therefore, we've got to be really it. careful that we don't... Going back to what you said at the very beginning, you know, don't get fascinated in staring at this amazing capability mm-hmm. and make that our goal. And miss the point. becomes our weakness. You know, if the thirst for data, the control of the market, the building of the silicon chips and control of, you know, the algorithms becomes the focus, then perhaps we'll lose the soft power war because Hollywood will go into decline and, you yeah. know, the Chinese will make far better, far more engaging TV and we'll, you know, lose out that way. So I think these are complex things and... I wonder if... We're definitely not going to solve it in one We're certainly not going to solve it. But I wonder if that flash of the kingfish, that thing that makes some people connect ideas, just gets a little bit brighter if you have a large language model behind you. I, I think it's true, and I think it's... That's it's, the end of the video, but we can still carry but, on. But it's, it's no different to... Um, uh, the tank isn't going to win the war in 1917, but does it help you... And I, yeah. I th- yeah. you know, yeah. th- this whole idea of AI, um, will we be talking about AI in 20 years like it's the most important thing, or will we sort of take it for granted and then there'll be like a we small- do with a smartphone? For yeah, instance, and then there'll be a instance, smaller group of people who later. say, well, let me tell you what's going on here and now. And I, I think that's true. It is this ever evolving situation. And I, I do, it, it, I know this is sort of almost second, well, it's not almost, it is the second time I've already said it on this podcast, which is, it doesn't matter how much of these clever frameworks, techniques, skills, technologies you have, if you don't have the, and to link it back, the creative ability mm-hmm. to use these things and adapt, yeah. it's that creativity that will make you win, rather than saying, what was it we did the last 10 times we did this? Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing, okay, thank you for telling me what we did. You've given me some good examples of what worked and what didn't work. Now let me apply this to the knowledge I have, the current situation, and a flash of creativity that says no one would expect if we did this. I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah. This goes back to to the point that what AI is really doing is actually just lifting us. What all technology has ever done is just lift us up another level in the sort of creative food chain. You know, so it's lifted me to director level, even though I'm just on my own at home because I have an AI, effectively a, a lot of AI assistants. You know, so it's just lifted me up. And if you see it like that, I think you can you can use it to unlock some creativity. You can use it to unlock some innovation. 
and that's that's kind of the way I hope to use it in the future. Yeah. I, I hope to use it for good. It's very. It, my job is to be optimistic. You can't really be a pessimistic designer, not long term anyway. Cause I think you become a charming kind of, artist at that point. Yeah, you? maybe. And I, I think if you you kind of got responsibility as a as a designer to to do the right thing because you're the person pushing to get something new made it's, yeah. it's always a difficult thing my old boss Jeremy White used to say you know we're in the business of making stuff so that's a difficult thing to get straight in your head because really part of your your ethos as a designer is to do better things for the world yeah. so adding more stuff to the world isn't necessarily a better thing but if you can do that efficiently and you know with a, as, as minimum amount of carbon or you're replacing something that's worse with something that's better for the world yeah then you're acting ethically and, and i think the same thing is with ai is the same it's the same theory we need more people to engage with ai yes in an ethical way so we need in general we need more people to engage with it to see how it's working what well, i don't but we need we them to do it in a, in a, in a, we, don't, we don't have a choice you, Although, you know they're calling for they're calling for a six-month break i know but but that's not, I mean, that's just not feasible because it's already out there. Well, that, well that, that, that's like saying after the, you know, in the first use of the atomic weapon, hey, everyone, we should stop for 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Say, okay, no, no. Are we going to set is, fire to the entire Earth's, um, there is, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the ecosystem of the entire Earth with this atom bomb? Well, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> let's, let's do it anyway. But I think, Worry, it's a bit like that with AI. I Ma think Max Tegmark talks about this in his, in his Engaging book. with it in the way we're doing now, I mean, this was something I was really keen to do because we could spend hours talking about how amazing ChatGPT is, how scary it is. Or, but actually, it's the bit that we're responsible for, and I, I think I'm really keen to push is being worried about something mm -hmm. doesn't move you any further forward. No. Actually, it's the yeah. engagement that yeah. says, That's okay, great. let's talk about it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that we've said... Are, are, we've addressed the sort of question whether it was right or wrong is Dali better than designers and I think the point is well, no okay good we can move on now yeah. how do you most effectively use it what yeah. is risky what is not risky so I, I do think there is riskiness which is you know chat GPT can lie okay yeah. that, that's yeah, that's not a, that's, that's not a sort of crazy thing that's a very real okay how do you measure that how do you protect against that how do you make sure that Dali doesn't actually give you an image that someone else has created? Yeah. Those kinds of things. I, I, I'm I pretty sure it, at the moment it doesn't do sort of, you know, patent checks in the background. Yeah. So yeah. It is, there, is, there is a risk, a genuine risk of and, that. And we, we mentioned this in a, in a previous podcast. I still think this is such a fascinating piece of this, which is one of the trickier bits of this is that by its nature, an AI model can't tell you how it got to where it got yeah. to. It's an entirely it can't explain box. the process, right? It can't that. explain the got process. In. So when you say to it, well, that's interesting. Why did you make a drawing like that? I have no idea. But that, that is true. Nor can a designer. Something. But nor can a designer. Nor can the human brain. Well, and so, but in different something ways, something magic happens the, between your brain in, and, in yeah, different, and your hand. But in different ways, though. So, for example, if the AI says this country is going to invade this other country tomorrow at 2.35. I, you say, how do you know that? And it mm -hmm. says, I just know that. If you turned around to me and said, you know, we, we believe, people have told us that it's 2.35 tomorrow, I get to say, okay, this is quite a big deal. Talk yeah. to, tell me why you think that. And you'd say, well, here's three images that show troops are building up. Here's some signals intelligence. 
here's the bits that are unknown. But I think you can absolutely do that with AI, and you would, you, if you were going to build a, an AI to help with intelligence, you would build in the ability for that system to say, on the balance of probability, because I've scanned 35,000 satellite images. Yeah, but, but even, even then, the though, which 35,000 images? Is, is the danger you're talking about is blindly trusting. Yes, but you that's correct. But in the same way, a commander doesn't and shouldn't blindly follow the intelligence analyst who says, yeah. this tomorrow. And the two things that intelligence professionals always provide is a level of confidence in the assessment mm -hmm. and a level of confidence in the sources that that assessment was made of. And the commander then gets paid the big bucks to judge that. And yeah, say, well, in, in, in that... Here's, here's, my, here's my thoughts on this. Here's how we're going to respond to this. The intelligence is good enough or not good enough. And there's some, you know, there's a, the, I think a brilliant example of great decision leadership was the Obama administration making the call to, to go into a Abbottabad for Osama bin Laden. The intelligence, yeah, the assessment was, were about 60%. Right. And so the whole process, and this is probably a, a story for another podcast, but the whole process of how they then made the decision and what course of action to take and whether they were going to do it or not, you know, brilliantly executed, not an intelligence analyst job, a leader's job. And that was the Obama administration under so we're, we're back to the the magic bit about AI is how the human beings employ that. Think about it. So yeah, actually, yeah. Um, Quite. in terms of intelligence, I'm sure this isn't how it works, but actually the way I would use AI is for the intelligence, the AI system to say, Chris, I think this is a possibility. You should go ask these questions. So yeah. rather than say, okay. here's the answer, yeah. I'm going to point you in an area I'm going to help you with things you might want to look at. But Again, giving you structure, like you talked about. Structure. Yeah. But you need to go and look. You need to go and validate because don't trust me to yeah. know whether yeah. they're walking that way to go to the bathroom or they're walking that way to invade kind of thing. And, and I think what yes. we're doing here is, you know, starting to tackle these problems and ideate around solutions. Of course, we don't know what the solutions to AI support to military intelligence is. But we're starting to say it's not a black and white question, good or bad. Yeah, it, which is starting to set some parameters as yeah. to how we how would interpret we it. How should we govern it? How should, and I think this comes back to this, you know, your point about designers saying, well, that's cheating. Well, that's similar to the that's Luddite a, that's thing. A gut that's a, the Luddite. It's a yeah. gut reaction and it's a, it's a Luddite. You can't have steam-powered looms because, yeah. you know, I'm a, you know, I, I use a hand-powered... Yeah, and, 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 and the, you know, yeah. the hand-drawn sketch is going to always be valuable and it's going to have yeah. its own charm. It's got a certain, it's like a sculpture's got a certain hand-done, like clay modelling in, in, yeah. in my industry. If the market, is if a the market doesn't want it, thing, yeah. then you've got to adapt and move yeah. on. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm not saying AI is brilliant. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm saying it's here. We have to engage with it and we have to have really sensible conversations about how we govern it, how we govern yeah. its use, where, where the government can, where they can't, where we should have international conventions. Otherwise it's Wild West, right? Otherwise it's going to happen anyway and it's going to be the Wild, Wild West. West. And there are, we talk about the you know, dystopian future of AI, you know, it's going to take over the world. There are, there are really three areas that I think AI can have negative effects. Not three areas, three ways. One is bad actors using it, mm -hmm. bad people can use AI. There's already cases of AI fraud, where they've used AI to, from a voice sample to 
get somebody to pretend to be an individual, phone that individual's mother and say, I've been in an accident, can you charge her some money? Mm -hmm. You don't sound quite right. Oh, I've got cold. It's not COVID, don't worry. That's AI that persuading AI a persuading, But that was somebody. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Like a bad Absolutely. That's a bad actor. So yeah. bad, bad actors have always existed, and we use the tools. The internet did this. Yeah, yeah. The internet opened up the world to, to online It's brought vastly fraud. more good than it has bad, but the bad We also use the internet to find fraudsters. So we can use AI to protect people as much as we use AI to attack people. And, and so I think there are bad actors. That is a thing. And it's just the use of technology. So the second way that AI can have negative effects is the unintended consequences. So AI systems, I want you to, you know, work out the best way of, I don't know, cleaning the oceans. Is this, the, this is the paperclip thought experiment. You heard this? No. No. If you if you if you task AI with making the most efficient, being the most efficient at making paper clips and you don't give it any parameters, you may end up in 20 years with a planet that is a paperclip factory with no humans on it. Yes. The AI yeah. has gone to the point where yeah. it just cares about that one yeah. thing. So and Ma- course, Max Tegmark, this guy, talks yeah, about this sure. stuff and he's amazing at it. But I think what's important about that is that's not AI suddenly becoming sentient and going, I hate no. my human overlords, I'm going it's to a bad rebel. Brief. That's it's a, a bad, brief. bad brief. It's I a love bad brief. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't, that make, wouldn't that make designers laugh if just before the world ended, they, they went, <laughs> oh, it's a bad it's brief. It's a bad brief. But of course, no, that might be the way it happens. The, the way Max Tegmark, again, I, I hate to go back to him all the time, but I find everything the way he writes about this absolutely fantastic. He wrote, um, wrote an amazing book called Life 3.0. The first 20 minutes explains how the creative industries are going to go to AI first. And this was written six or seven years ago. Yeah. And it's, ha- it's playing out right now. So effectively, it's completely right. But he talks about um, even if we are heading to a cliff where AI is going to sort of optimise the paper clips and kill every yeah. humans, the view on the way there is so beautiful you won't even notice because, <laughs> because the technology is magic. Unintended consequences of AI can have negative effects, but we've got to be very clear that that's not the AI suddenly becoming sentient and deciding to be evil. You know, I talked about this with Paul Armstrong. AI is still based on logic circuits, which is still based at its fundamental level on transistors moving an electron from one state to another. It's still a digital system. There is no, we're going to get quite philosophical here, but mm-hmm. There's no intelligence, it's artificial intelligence. Or there's no sentience. There's no sentience. Intelligence is difficult. Again, just, sure. just because of But it's artificial intelligence. So there's, yes. no, there's no sentience. There's no, mm-hmm. as far as we know, and I know there's a few people out there contesting this, but there's yeah. no emotion to the logic circuit. When you take out you know, a silicon chip, it is still a piece of machinery. Mm-hmm. The fact that it can emulate emotion, the fact that it can feel human, doesn't mean it is. It's the, the, set, the unintended consequences, like I say, it's a bad brief, it's the paperclip thing. Yeah. Now, the idea that the journey that we go on is going to be beautiful, so we're going to roll off a cliff without noticing, I think is somewhat flawed because that, that's working in, in the logic that there's only one AI and we've become enamoured by it. And actually, if we're using AI, as a tool another one to of the help AI, us. Another one AI is going to say, you're about to go off the cliff. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. never mind paper clips, I've got a con- fantastic insert other yeah, thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're in the contest of ideas and creativity, 
in the same way that you know the the guiding hand of the market allows productivity and capitalism to work mm-hmm. the same thing will happen in the competitive market that is enabled also by ai so we're not going to end up in a world where there's only paper clips because guess yes, what we'll suddenly realize that i can't get weetabix or yeah. the cost of fuel is shot up and and the ai that i use to help me do my financial prediction for i don't know buying oil or selling pork or whatever it is will tell me will show me and the interactions that we have as people in a complex so world what, you, so you sort of hope it's going to find its own again well, I don't think mimicking nature but it's going to find its own balance so for every yes. paper, clip, paper clip optimizer there's a paper clip minimizer yeah well there's, else, there's, there's a that's counteracting yeah, that. so, yeah. so what yeah. i'm not saying we're not going to have some really you know catastrophic errors on the way people might die well i think people if there's any errors it'll be the end of yeah. i <laughs> so don't think we're going to get to the end clear. of the world I, I think there will be accidents. You know, Tesla has already had... Hang on, it, it took a very dark yeah. turn there. It started very optimistic, we're going to be fine. And it's like, well, and then your phrase, people are going to die. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... But, uh, but I think it's true. In but the it's, same way, it's like every tool. A car every, is a yeah. power for good. Yeah, We've got yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can also be used as a weapon. It, it can exactly, be used as a weapon. Exactly. And people, when the car rolls over off a cliff, people yeah. will die. And I, yeah. I think yeah. when we think different. about this dystopian future of the robots taking over, you've got to remember this came from... Uh, early science fiction in the age, in the industrial age, through the industrial revolution, where you know these steam-powered machines that are loud and scary and taking jobs and changing <laughs> the face of the world, all the way through, you know, the digitization. Yeah, we thought about robots as humanoid androids. Mm-hmm. Think about the Jetsons. You yeah, know, was that or Terminator? Even, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to use the Jetsons as that you know, so cartoon that we all watched as kids. You know, all of the robots, all the smart technology had arms and legs. It was mobile, it moved around. That isn't the world we live in. So the AI might have unintended consequences and, and try and go down bad paths. What it's not going to do is I'm not going to suddenly find that my you know, alarm clock or toaster <laughs> yeah. has grown arms and legs and is strangling me in the night. That's not going to happen. What might happen is there might be a fuel spike in price. Or grain might. Or your Tesla makes a mistake. Or Tesla makes a mistake, and you know there's a fatal accident. We're not suddenly going to go from everything's fine to catastrophic failure. The third way, and I think this is perhaps something we do need to spend more time thinking about, is the unintended consequences of human interaction with things that feel intelligent that feel human that feel sentient so we are currently grappling with the second order consequences of social media Mm -hmm. the effect it's having on our kids the effect it's having on our ability to interact the addiction to those likes and the endorphins that it gives us all of that is you know something we are really having to deal with because of the quite severe social change I think we're going to have similar problems with AI, and I think there will be some really negative consequences mm-hmm. as a result of that. So when you've got AI systems that can replicate human relations, human interactions, that... Will it be the detriment to real human interactions? Is that, is that, is that well what you're be. thinking? I, it could well yeah. do. And, yeah. and it could also um, you know, really double down on those 
you know, echo chambers and those bubbles of but what's yeah, the polarization in the polarization most society. I don't know. What, and, and what's yeah. comforting about this though, if you can be comforted by uh, the phrase "people will die," what's comforting about <laughs> people this? Die people will die. Though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, but what's comforting? <laughs> all of us here. We'll what's die. comforting is that none of these are new problems. No, these are no, problems no, no, no. we have seen a thousand times and a thousand years ago almost. and a thousand years ago so yeah. you know i think that the social media example it's not a terrible example which is these these issues you've talked about exist and yet we're still here and yeah. we're learning to adapt and we're learning to change to them so I, I mean like you i think the optimistic view of ai is the right view in fact, well, it's going to reflect our view. So I'm hoping that we can have the majority optimistic view, so that it reflects that yeah. optimistic well, future. E even more, that's quite naive to say that in some ways. No, I, I don't think it is naive. But even more pragmatically, I think if you're pessimistic, it, it tip pessimism typically prevents you figuring out solutions to the yeah, problem. It definitely doesn't help creativity. Forward. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the fact that we're sort of optimistic about this means there is a pretty fair chance we will learn to adapt and we will learn to and survive. And that's what we do the best, is yes. adapt as yeah. that's what we do best. Yeah. I, I think I'd, I'd like to make it clear that what I'm not saying is, you know, it's all going to be fine. No, no, There is a chance. There's complications. Yeah, there, there, there is a chance that this ends in, you know, existential catastrophic failure for the human race. They, they said this but about the weaving mill, though. They did. And they said it about the atom bomb. And yeah. they said it about... Uh, the book... I love that about yeah. the book. Everyone thinks, how could you be sad about the book? Yeah. Yeah. At the time, it We're both was dyslexic, so we are quite sad about the book. Yeah. I love the audio, <laughs> but, but so, I, 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 so these things can happen. We need to be guarded against it, and we need to be having these conversations. But the point I want to make is, it's not a case of once you let AI go, it's you know inevitable that we end yeah, up in this. The, the oh, train no, is uh, rolling oh, down the train is rolling down the hill. It's too late. I think this is a creative problem. And we don't know what the, the what statue the, what of the block of marble looks like. We don't know what the creative solution is yet. Yeah, and we're, we are partly getting a little bit, not the three of us, but society at the moment is partly getting a little bit nervous about this because not of the technology and the potential of the technology, but because it's wrapped in ambiguity and uncertainty. And we know as human nature, we struggle with uncertainty and ambiguity and becoming comfortable with it is really important so you know there is absolutely a role for creatives because bringing this all the way back to the beginning of this conversation becoming comfortable with ambiguity being comfortable with finding the solutions to complex problems is the job of a creative you know you know what it is it's being comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah, it is what you're is what we're all talking about, kind of. It's, yeah. what, it's why you war game. It's why I have creative events. It's why yeah. I say yes to, to design briefs that I've never done before because I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable enough to go through it, the it, process to get there. It's an exceptional example of an everyday skill. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense, it's actually the most human thing we have. Really, is is adaptability. Yeah. You know, we've adapted yeah. to having smartphones in our pocket, possibly too far, but. Even 10 years ago, when we had the first iPhones, if I said to you, you'd be able to watch a cab come to your front door from the comfort of your, your seat, you'd say I was bonkers. At that point, the only thing that they did with the accelerometers was, again, using comedy to demonstrate tech, was to, to have a fake 
pint of beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't realise what the, yeah, what the accelerometers in the yeah. phone could do. Now look at what those things can do with the same bit yeah. of text. Is, is you have to test these things. I love you have to use the a bit idea. Of comedy, you know. I love your idea with creatives become comfortable with being uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Because that is exactly the way I think about a good soldier. A good marine, good soldier, good sailor, good airman. doesn't really matter. You know, being in a military environment, you get good if you are comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because it sounds like they're, they're, though the best ones are creative then. I, absolutely, know. and we've talked about the value of creativity at the tactical level in small teams, mm -hmm. yeah, and leading from the front as the situation in front of you changes. And we've talked about the need for being comfortable with uncertainty because you're waiting for other people to tell you what the overall vision is and what your part in that is. And I think, yeah, on a physical level as well, there's a huge amount of just being uncomfortable because, yeah, it turns out warfare is, is a pretty it's uncomfortable, uh, it's quite uncomfortable thing. Endeavor. Yeah, and you, you know, lose sleep, you mm -hmm. go hungry, you are exposed You're to cold and wet. And cold I, and wet. I love, because these are, you, I mean, you know, you've just talked about why in the military being uncomfortable is good, but I think this is absolutely universal. Another mm -hmm. way of saying it is, the generic skill to be able to tackle any problem and tackle it in an effective way. Part of our conversation about AI today was almost to stop staring at the shiny thing and being entranced by yeah. the shiny thing and say, what's behind the light? Oh, it's just a lamp, I understand that. Can I use that lamp? I think, I think this discomfort is counterintuitive, as in no one likes to be uncomfortable, but it's yeah. how do you... How do you... Once you accept it, yeah. you then start to move beyond the discomfort to actually, how do I make my situation there's, better? There's it's, it's the only way that I've actually engaged with AI because the, the, the gut feeling... Run away from it. Is run away. Yeah. Is, oh, this makes me feel uncomfortable, man. Yeah. You know, this thing, I, my God, it's, I'm, I'm over. It's doing my job incredibly well. The more you dig in, the more you engage, the more you realise it's not. It's just going to help me. It's a tool. The, that we the, go there's back an to that stuff interesting too. parallel, which I think is sort of a slight different version of the same thing. So talking to designers, um, you know, you would imagine that the best thing you could do for a designer is to put a blank piece of paper in front of a designer oh, and say, where you go. And I, I, I see the look on your face of absolute horror. So one of the things that can work well is constraints. Please constrain mm -hmm. me. Well, you can only use half of the piece of paper. You can only use yeah, these three gold pencils. Posts. These yeah, are the goalposts. And, and, and by making you uncomfortable with constraints, that can often help the creative process. Yes, yes. And I think that's a little bit the same here, where we're saying to be good leaders, to be successful in business, it's important to be uncomfortable. Is that because we think discomfort is good in a sort of a Catholic sort of a way? Yes. No. Discomfort is good because it triggers this behaviour in us that, that creates better problem solving. This is why yeah. when you're talking about wargaming, that you have those very, very far away from the plausible yes. in, in that diagram. You, you, you wargame war completely, yeah. what do you call it? It's an edge case. Yeah, so wild card scenarios, of course. Yeah, so we, so we wargame what we think is going to happen, mm -hmm. most likely what is perhaps the most impactful, what we call the most dangerous, mm -hmm. um, which can be an edge case. Um, and then we will wargame a series of edge case scenarios, which is a 
possible, plausible, but not very likely mm -hmm. outcome. And the purpose of these things is not to predict the future, but to get us comfortable with a range of possible futures so that when whatever the reality is comes, the uncomfortable as the future unfolds, yeah. we're not as far off from it as we would have been if we'd not thought about it at all. There's a, a really good um, late uh, historian called Michael Howard who talked about the, the role of understanding future warfare is not about predicting the future for you to be you know, right. The role of understanding the future of warfare is so that you're not so far wrong that you can't turn it around. And I think that's, you know, the, it comes back to that creativity thing. We've got to be comfortable with the fact that these are open-ended, chaotic problems. We're not going to solve them. We're not going to solve AI using AI. No. We're not going to solve AI by sitting and gazing at the problem. We're going to feel our way through it. We're going to come up against things that work and things that don't work. There will be failures along the way, and we will test and adjust and adapt. And the more we engage with that and don't bury our head in the sand and ignore it, the more we're going to be somewhat in the ballpark when these new eventualities you know, do That's jump up and hit us in the building face. Building a resilience to change. Building resilience. And part of that, of course, is, is firstly talking about what that might feel like, what that might look like, what you might do, but also getting organisations and the leaders of organisations to allow adaptability so that you're not on a fixed path mm -hmm. all the way through and then and then suddenly realise that that doesn't work and it's too late and you can move on. I think that's probably a, uh, a really good point to uh, yeah. draw this to a close. I have a feeling we're going to be doing this again. I have a feeling. Almost I mean, there's, there's, there's you could take any 30 second part of what we've been talking about and, and have a four hour conversation about it. So that there's so much and we've skimmed brilliantly skim the surface of, of a, a lot of things there to open the questions and it's, it's going to feed into the rest of my series of podcasts for sure like well, I, I imagine it will feed into what, what uh, you guys absolutely are doing. Well, yeah. so I think um, it's worth as always uh, thank you for listening and if you want to get involved talk to us about what you've heard agree, disagree, comment, ask questions uh, then please do fact check us fact check us <laughs> absolutely um, so we have a, uh, an email address, we're at battlingwithbusiness at gmail.com and we are of course on Twitter at battlingwithbiz, biz with a Z. Tell your friends, if you are new to this, there are a number of episodes on all sorts of topics. We have lots of fabulous guests and topics, so please do go back and, and uh, take a look. Um, you know, Part of this is about building a community of people who think these topics are interesting and worth listening to. So, Brilliant. Rich, thank you very much. Well, no, thank you guys. I, th I think it's, uh, you know, it's been a really good experience for me. This is only my second episode. So it's really nice to sort of combine two. It seemed mad to, to go on your podcast and have you come on mine. It was like, you know, why don't we just do one recording and, and uh, take it away? And uh, yeah, but it's been fantastic. Thanks. And good to meet you, Chris, because I haven't met you until today. I think we were at risk at one point of what, of doing what Alistair Campbell calls podultery. What's that? Cheating on a podcast with another podcast. <laughs>
Oh, is that what but it is? we've combined is two. We so new to podcasting. Phrase, I didn't know there's all these phrases I need to learn. But, but I think we just have an open relationship now. We have, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, 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 we're podcast amateur. Are we, are we a polyamorous? <laughs> I think on that note, we yeah, this is definitely end. going somewhere dark, <laughs> somewhere weirder and darker. Cool. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, Thanks gen- gentlemen. Thank you. Goodbye very from much. me. And, uh, and goodbye from me. And I guess goodbye from me. That sounded like fifties BBC. Good luck.